Today's Words and Nerds podcast is sponsored by The Accomplice by Steve Kavanagh. If you were married to a serial killer, would you know? Steve Kavanagh's follow-up to the best-selling 13, 50-50 and The Devil's Advocate is his twistiest yet. The Sandman serial killings have been solved. Daniel Miller murdered 14 people before he vanished. His wife Carrie now faces trial as his accomplice. The FBI, the district attorney, the media and everyone in America believe she knew and helped cover up her husband's crimes. The only thing between a life in jail or free Freedom is Eddie Flynn and his team. Steve Kavanagh is the master of the twist and The Accomplice will keep you guessing right to the last page. The Accomplice is released in Australia on the 26th of July. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. From all of us in the writing community, we just think we're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm Uh. feeling sick. Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to another Words and Nerds episode. This time we are at Words on the Waves Writers Festival. You might be able to hear some wonderful buzz behind us, but that's all part of the festival experience. Right now I'm joined by Thomas Mayer. Yes, that's how you say it. (laughs) Didn't check before. That's what happens on these live things. Um, Now, I love that you're encouraged by your English teacher to become a writer. We're talking about finding our heart today. And this morning's session made Kate Forsyth cry. So can you tell me a bit about your session this morning? Really important session. Yeah, it was uh, a very enjoyable session with Yatu Buddhist Hunt on, um, you know, in conversation with me. We had a nice full room of people that were eager to learn about the things I, I wanted to talk about. And basically, um, you know, talked about my background as a wharfy and uh, and a union member. Um, you know, never expecting to write one day. You know, but in year eleven, uh, an English teacher said I, I would uh, or I should. Um, about how I became in the Uluru Statement from the Heart, the creation of that, and the campaign since. Um, and about my latest book, which is about fatherhood from a First Nations perspective. Uh, um, First Nations perspective. Mm, I love that. Tell me a bit more about that, that perspective from a father from First Nations. Tell me about that. Well, ultimately, the book is a response to the stereotype mm-hmm. um, against, uh, you know, Indigenous people and Indigenous men. Um, it responds to how the 2007 Northern Territory intervention uh, that was so racist that the government, the federal government had to suspend the Northern Territory Racial Discrimination Act to do what they did. Um, which was turn the army against, um, you know, its most vulnerable citizens, disempower those communities, and basically was a prime minister announcing that um, pedophilia and gender violence and domestic violence was an Aboriginal problem Mm. um, that deserved that sort of measure. Um, A decision made in a parliament that we now now know, you know, was rife with this sort of behaviour. It responds to that, it responds to how um, you know, the Australian uh, published cartoons by Bill Leake um, in 2016, I think, you know, terribly 
racist again, depicting, you know, again, Indigenous men, you know, not knowing or, or loving their children. Mm-hmm. Uh, these sorts of things. Um, uh, the book, uh, you know, is a, an act of defiance in that sense. I Indigenous love men that. <laughs> talking about how much uh, we love our children, you know, how, how um, you know, being straight about the mistakes that we've made and what we've learnt and, and just communicating with our, our children, basically, uh, about those experiences and learnings and how we have hope for a better future for them. Um, it's it's that response to those sorts of, uh, you know, stereotypes, but it's also uh, a celebration of First Nations men. And uh, the introduction basically says how um, when, when First Nations men love ourselves, we are going to love our families and our children. Um, you know, in a better way. Wow. I love that you've juxtaposed the act of defiance with celebration, though. You know, I love that you've gone, that's it. You know, we need to break stereotypes. And stereotypes are awful, but they are so slow to change. Mm. But then you've put that celebratory feeling that. Was that always how you were envisioning your book? Yeah, I didn't know. I, I didn't envision it, uh, how it would roll out, actually. Yeah. I um, it, The book came about after meeting Tara June Winch at the Perth Writers oh, she's Festival wonderful, isn't right she? before COVID, yeah. Mm. And um, and we were having a yarn and I've got five kids, so, you know, we're talking about kids and culture and all, all that. And um, and she said to me that I would be a, um, a good person to write a book about fatherhood and we talked about how that was needed. I didn't expect to write such a book, you know. The first thing I said was, well, I've got all these flaws as a father and a man. <laughs> don't we um, all as a parent? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if, I, if I've got the, um, you know, the capacity to do that, really. Uh, I thought about it for several months and um, I was reading James Baldwin's uh, epistolary to his nephew you know, in, in The Fire Next Time and it sort of sparked me to think uh, this would be the perfect way to write about First Nations fatherhood um, in a letter uh, to my son. So I, um, I drafted that up and, uh, and then went to other men and, and asked them if they would like to do similar and, um, and left it to them. You know, it was even my own letter was, you know, just sort of worked my way through it and it, and in conversations with my son as I drafted it, that's how it was done. Wow, I love that. But what I really like what you said before, just circling back a bit about, you know, I'm a flawed father, but I almost think that's very important for children to see that we are flawed. It's often... You know, we see these perfect parents in the media, etc., and they just don't exist. You know, and I know I'm a parent of two, and I don't always get it right. But I think, you know, admitting that, apologising to your children, saying you've made mistakes, like I think that's part of the human experience, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's progress. I think it's yeah. a great strength to identify, you know, what uh, could be done better and communicate that for the next generation. I think also, you know, it's important um, for a book like that to call out gender violence, you know, to say to our sons, especially, you know, that this sort of behaviour needs to stop. Yep. It's, um, you know, it's very much the way, and, and by, you know, there's some vulnerability in it by admitting that, you know, I was, uh, you know, I had these sorts of behaviours, you know, I learned from my father and I learned from mm-hmm. that generation, basically. Uh, and, you know, it's time to um, to end those sorts mm. of behaviours. Mm. That's really powerful, though, to be able to, you know, be able to see what we could all do better. You know, I think that's a really powerful confronting thing, but really important. So that's, that's amazing. Now, a part of your talk was what would make a better Australia or what would a better Australia look like? What would that look like to you? Yeah, well, that's why most of the focus was on the Uluru Statement. I think uh, a better Australia 
what's what is central to um, bettering Australia is uh, changing our constitution to recognise First Nations people through a voice to Parliament and um, and ensuring that we're at the centre of decision making as yeah. we should have been when Australia was founded. You know, with the founding document, the Constitution in 1901. In the leading up, in the lead up to making uh, that Constitution in the late 20th, uh, late 19th century. Um, First Nations people weren't included in those, in those discussions, mm. and neither were women, actually. Yeah. Uh, it was all white men. and um, Not I a lot's changed, has it? We've still got a lot, <laughs> lot of bit to well, go, don't there's, we? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's quite a shift in this parliament, yeah, which is absolutely. really pleasing to yeah, see. Yeah, it is pleasing to see. But, um, the, uh, you know, I think most Australians would agree today that, um, you know, that the legitimate place of First Nations people in this country um, you know, it's as legitimate as the colonies that formed the states um, that share power in our constitution. Um, and quite generously and, uh, um, you know, quite simply, we're calling for a voice uh, on the decisions that are made about us, a representative body. Mm. And, uh, and so central to making Australia better is taking that step. Yeah, absolutely. And what can we do as a nation? You know, what can we do better? Well, um, doing that, but I want people to start thinking about the listeners of this podcast on how they're going to help us win a referendum. Yeah, okay. Because the only way you change the constitution is uh, by referendum. Mm -hmm. And um, and the Labor Albanese government has committed to holding a referendum in this term of government. So uh, we're talking with the government now about the timing of that referendum, what the question will be. It'll be a simple question, you know, to, to help it succeed. Um, all of those details and uh, so sharing the words of the Uluru Statement is mm -hmm. a really powerful thing to do because when people we know from our research this growing number of Australians that will vote yes yeah. um, that indicate they'll vote yes in polling um, corresponds with the growing number of people that have learned a bit about the Uluru mm -hmm. Statement so okay. sharing it around yep. um, talking about it having conversations about how this is not only a, an important thing to do for bettering the identity of Australia by uh, constitutionally including, uh, you know, over 60,000 years of culture as something that we share, um, but also the practical change of, um, because policy and, uh, and legislation making in this country has ignored the yeah. uh, traumas and uh, that, you know, Indigenous people have from colonisation, um, the prejudice that we still face. And, um, and so the, 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 we can only start to close the gap when we actually give our um, First Nations people the political power to hold the decision makers to account. Mm. No, that is just, I love everything that you've said. And I know that change is slow, but hopefully it's gonna quicken up the pace a bit. So thank you so much for sharing your time and you know, your beautiful book, Finding Our Heart. It's gonna be more from you. You're gonna write something yeah, more? I'm gonna keep writing. Excellent. Um, I'm uh, enjoying enjoying being a writer uh, it, it certainly helps with the public speaking because you have to draft and draft and <laughs> yeah. then it sinks into your head um, which is important to win a referendum communicating with people if you like i can conclude with uh, a recital of the Uluru statement i would love yeah. that yes all right let's do it we gathered at the 2017 national constitutional convention coming from all points of the southern sky make this statement from the heart our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes were the first sovereign nations of the Australian continent and its adjacent islands, and possessed it under our own laws and customs. This our ancestors did, according to the reckoning of our culture, 
from the creation, according to the common law from time immemorial, and according to science more than 60,000 years ago. This sovereignty is a spiritual notion, the ancestral tie between the land or Mother Nature and the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who were born therefrom remain attached thereto and must one day return thither to be united with their ancestors. This link is the basis of the ownership of the soil, or better, of sovereignty. It has never been ceded or extinguished, and it coexists with the sovereignty of the Crown. How could it be otherwise? That a peoples possessed the land for 60 millennia, and this sacred link disappears from world history in merely the last few hundred years? With substantive constitutional change and structural reform, we believe this ancient sovereignty can shine through as a fuller expression of Australia's nationhood. Proportionately, we are the most incarcerated people on the planet. We are not an innately criminal people. Our children are aliened from their families at unprecedented rates. This cannot be because we have no love for them. And our youth languish in detention in obscene numbers. They should be our hope for the future. These dimensions of our crisis tell plainly the structural nature of our problem. This is a torment of our powerlessness. We see constitutional reforms to empower our people and take a rightful place in our own country. When we have power over our own destiny, our children will flourish, they will walk in two worlds, and their culture will be a gift to their country. We call for the establishment of a First Nation voice enshrined in the Constitution. Makarata is the culmination of our agenda to coming together after a struggle. It captures our aspirations for a fair and truthful relationship with the people of Australia and a better future for our children based on justice and self-determination. We seek a Makarata Commission to supervise a process of agreement making between governments and First Nations and truth-telling about our history. In 1967 we were counted, in 2017 we seek to be heard. We leave base camp and start our trek across this vast country. We invite you to walk with us in a movement of the Australian people for a better future. It's your room statement. Wow. <laughs> There's nothing left to be said. Thank you so much, Thomas. Thank you. That was brilliant.